Hi everyone, welcome to They Had Fun. I'm Rachel and I am back with another amazing story about New York City. But first, everyone's favorite, Rachel's Rex. Um, Here we go, my recommendations for this week. Number one is a great art gallery on Bowery. It's called The Hole. They have an amazing show right now called Loops and everyone should go check it out. It's such a great space, so go there. Number two, Fusca House. Am I saying that right? It is a Bangladeshi food cart on 37th Avenue in Jackson Heights and they serve these delicious snacks number one being if I'm saying it right Fusca they're so delicious they're cheap eats they're easy they're on the go they're wonderful so please go out there and support them lastly a classic but a goodie Donahue's on Lexington Avenue it has been there for years please go saddle up at the bar get yourself a martini with your extra little it's not even a sidecar it's a giant pint of vodka and have a great time and do something very old school New York. So I hope you like those recommendations. I hope you guys are enjoying them. Please go out in New York City and of course have some fun. On to my guest this week. I am so excited and privileged to have this person. He is such a wonderful intelligent man. He is a professor at Pace University. He is a senior docent and lecturer at the wonderful Whitney Museum. He is so smart, so wise behind his ears. Please welcome to the show, Jan Yablo. Thank you, Rachel. I am so excited and happy to do this wonderful chat with you for your podcast. So I appreciate the invitation. Yes, of course. Thank you. I mean, obviously we met at the Whitney where you are a senior docent and I was just so amazed and impressed by your amazing tours you were giving. You obviously know a tremendous amount about art, art history. You're also a professor. When I met you there, I just thought you would be so excellent on the show and you You have such a great personality. I'm wondering when you started working at the Whitney and how that happened. So it was 13, almost 14 years ago. Kudos that the person I work for, her name is Ellen. It's thanks to her I'm in this program. So I already had volunteered about five years at the Whitney just to assist with information and that type of thing and membership. And then uh, long story short, I was invited to apply. I did. It was a process that was wonderful, including meeting with Ellen and others. So I I thank her and the education department at the Whitney. Wow, that's so cool. So I assume you have a background in art history or or something like that. Would I be right? Or is that my completely off base? You are uh, only slightly off base. (laughs) So my field where I am a professor at Pace University has pretty much nothing to do with art. Oh, really? <laughs> I totally assumed at Pace that you, you did something related to art or history, or art history or both. So what, what do you teach at Pace? My field for now, it's going to be 50 years by the end of this year. Whoa. Is the field of disabilities, education, special education law. So my field has to do with persons, mainly adolescents and adults with severe disability. Wow. You're a real Renaissance man with all of these different things. One just assumes that your passion is art and that's what you do, but you have all these different things that you're, so were you originally working in law? Is that, and then you just loved art? It really is just a passion for decades and decades. The special education field really more has to do with support and understanding for those that benefit from the type of classes, services, and accommodations and support, especially for those uh, on the autism spectrum. Wow. Yeah. I'm very impressed and feel like a piece 
of crap that <laughs> no considering that you've done all of these things and you're you're reaching out on so many platforms and have such a wide base of knowledge. And then you're also doing this type of work to help people on the autism scale or people with disabilities. I mean, it's just so impressive and should be very motivating to the rest of us. I hope if you're listening to this right now, it motivates you to get out there and do more because that's, that's, that's what I'm taking right now from this. My grad students are pretty consistently all working for the New York City Department of Education. They deserve the applause, not me. They are gems. Yes, I mean, God bless the New York City public school teachers. They are yes. amazing human beings. They are doing the Lord's work. It is very hard work. And then on top of that, even the scale you're talking about of children with disabilities or special needs, that's even more so, I would assume, trying but rewarding. So we are very lucky to have them. Absolutely. Okay. So as we know, I mean, you are very rooted in New York City, working at one of the greatest institutions here, the Whitney, working for Pace, a wonderful university. Thank and you. so now we can get started with our wonderful questions. And my first question is, when did you move to New York City? I am born in New York City. Oh my God. Do, 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 do. We have our second native New Yorker. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Another I native New Yorker. Yes. I did not know that. Yes, I was born in Bronx, New York. My parents also born in New York City. Uh, grandparents from Eastern Europe. But yes, love New York my whole life. There was a long period of time after I grew up in the Bronx as a teenager in Brooklyn, in Coney Island, by the way. Wow. Uh, the pleasure of being a New Yorker pretty much my whole life. And yes, I did live in Westchester County in White Plains, New York for many years because of my wonderful daughters. Okay. It was a great time for them growing up. I am so lucky my wonderful daughters and my grandkids they make life even uh, more joyous oh that's amazing that's so great they have such huge family i love that your parents were from here as well and then your grandparents moved from eastern europe to new york now you don't have to tell us when you were born in new york we just know you're born and bred new yorker and that's important i'm so excited to have a second one unintentionally but do you know why your parents or sorry grandparents moved to new york they really came certainly at a time that they felt that the United States really was welcoming of those who wanted to come here and start a life. And likely they came here because they were seeking other opportunities. Uh, can I throw in a quick artistic aside with that? Of course, please. Okay. I was providing a recent tour this past Saturday afternoon, standing in front of a painting and speaking about this painting by the artist Max Weber. The title is Chinese Restaurant from 1950. Yes, I do remember seeing this one. When he speaks about in that painting the importance of the first time New Yorkers had the joy, the first time of going to a Chinese restaurant and the start of Chinatown in Lower Manhattan, now it's, of course, in Brooklyn, Queens, and, and everywhere, right? Right. When he, when he speaks about that and designs the painting in such a way that looks like a stop-action film, it's that painting 107 years ago speaks about New York today and speaks about, to a certain degree, any number of people that have come here from Asia, from Europe, from the African continent. It makes New York fun and beautiful. Jan, I 
am so impressed by you right now. I oh. feel like tearing up. There's so, I mean, there's so many directions we can go in because you're such an amazing person. I mean, oh. that, it, that just that description of that artwork, I've seen it. It's wonderful. But that description of that idea of what New York City is and tying that in exactly to your history of your family coming here. And that is the history of New York as the immigrants coming for a better life. It still happens today. But of course, that is the history of New York that brought a lot of people here. And to know that your family came for the same reasons and that you can find those parallels in the art and teach them to new audiences so people can see art in a new way, so people can respect New York and its history in a new light. I just think yeah. that's so incredible. And it's why you're such an amazing guest for the show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I could sit here and listen to you just talk about paintings at the Whitney's for hours, but for, for now, you. we're going to choose to focus a bit on New York. So you grew up in New York. You grew up in Coney Island. Did you love being a city kid here? Did you have a lot of great memories? Was it tough? Did you yearn for a backyard and, you know, that lifestyle? I loved it, uh, both as a kid living in, and by the way, I am not at all embarrassed to say this. As a kid growing up in the Bronx, we were quite poor. I don't know how else to say it. It was a housing project, one of the first established in New York City in the 1950s and 60s. And in Brooklyn, uh, it's not that I long for the backyard, and this is not a cliche. Your backyard growing up in New York City, whether it's a housing development or project, the city is your backyard. Uh, the parks are your backyard. Going tonight to a concert in Central Park, that's your backyard. I think that's so poetic the way you're putting it. And I think a lot of New Yorkers feel like this is New York is our backyard and, and we're okay with that. And there's so many wonderful things we can do. So like you're saying, the parks, everything. So it's great to know that as a kid, you even realized that and saw that. And I think yeah. that's that's wonderful. It's one of the things we all love here. It must've been so fun growing up here at that time, or maybe I'm looking at it with rose colored glasses, but I have to imagine it really was a great time. It was a great time. So when I was about 21, 22 years old, I and uh, my now ex-wife, we were both teaching special education students in the New York City schools. And we were both laid off when New York City was, yes, really going bankrupt around 1975. Wow. Probably about 24,000 teachers were laid off from the New York City schools alone. Whoa. Uh, so here's the, I guess, fun thing coming out of that. How can I make fun out of being laid off and collecting unemployment? That's <laughs> another story. So I took a job driving a, a cab for New York City, a, a hack, oh a licensed. Gosh. Yeah. Can you imagine that me driving a taxi? You've lived so many <laughs> lives. This is incredible. Okay, I'm sorry. So you're, yeah. you're driving a taxi because you're late. Driving off. a taxi. It was, you know, a medallion cab. This is, uh, for those listening, you say, what's that? I only take Uber or Lyft. But no, there, <laughs> there are the yellow taxis in New York. And this was 1975, 76. The shift I had was maybe three in the afternoon to five in the morning. It was usually a 12 to 14 hour shift. Whoa, that's long. No kidding. Oh, yeah, it's long because you wanted to make some money. And New York City was hopping and fun. I mean, it's fun now, too, in many different ways. So drove the taxi, made good money. The tips were pretty good as well. All right. Nice. So here is this young punk, me, you know, uh, let's see, I, I'm not ashamed. I was born 1952. So I was like 23, 24 years old, laid off. But 
it was picking up people and some of them were well known. I can't remember the names, you know, they described their work, their experiences, their love of New York, you know, and we're talking about people who work for the publishing industry or for television or for the, the movie industry. Yeah. And the other part of it was that there were occasions where people would get in my cab, and I'm not bragging about this, but this happened a few times. People would be sitting at the cab, I'm waiting for the light to change, and then they would bolt out of the cab. They wouldn't pay. <laughs> what? <laughs> True. What? That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, they, you know, let's say if we were traveling from, uh, I don't know, uh, Lower East Side of Manhattan, they say, okay, I have to, you know, go to uh, Forest Hills, Queens. And maybe it was close to their final destination and they would be somewhere on Queens Boulevard and I'm waiting for the light to change. Bang! They'd run out of the car and <laughs> that was the end of it. I wouldn't be paid. Do you have to chase after <laughs> them or you just kind of... Nah, that wouldn't be safe. And and yeah. probably if I, if, if I were to leave my car at the middle of a red light on Queens Boulevard, that wouldn't be cool. I think the New York <laughs> City police would be very unhappy with me. They would cart me off, you know, and throw away the key. And but that's true experience in New York City, you know, in the 1970s. So for those of you that think it's fun and cool now, it is. And it's even more fun. And New York City is far safer than what we may have experienced in the 1970s or 80s. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just living as a lifelong New Yorker that loves everything about it. I love it. Like I said, you have lived so many lives. <laughs> Just growing up here, working at Pace, working at the Whitney, a taxi driver, special education. I mean, so many things. I've, I'm sure you're just full of so many stories. I can't even imagine the amount of stories we could go through just the taxi cab driver in the 1970s. But considering all of these things that make you such an iconic New Yorker, and I'm 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 branding you that now, iconic. Thank you. Thank you. We've reached the most important question of the show, and that would be Jan. What is the most fun you've ever had in New York? So Whitney had a most fantastic exhibit, I think around 2010 or 2011. I don't recall the artist's name, but he, working with the Whitney, was interested in having one day, one night, the Whitney would be open 24 hours. Wow. I was just starting as a uh, new docent and Ellen, she wanted to know if myself and other docents wanted to do tours in the middle of the night. Oh, that's so cool. And we did. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine the Whitney, whether in its prior location, this was on Madison Avenue in 2010 or 2011. But even now, you know, in Meatpacking District, you know, if the Whitney were open all night, it would be just like incredible fun. Yes. So I had a scheduled tour, I think at 1am. It may have been two, but I think it was around 1am. Incredible. It was different because we knew that the guests coming, and it was also, I believe, no admission charge. Great. Uh, and it's what the artist and the Whitney, I think, wanted to do. So guests were coming into the museum at one, two, three o'clock in the morning. No joke. Wow. And to the Upper East Side of Manhattan, maybe they would be traveling from Williamsburg, you know, which was still nice at right. that time. Maybe not as gentrified as now, but, and I say that nicely. But uh, from <laughs> everywhere, you know, from the Lower East Side and so on. To typically a neighborhood that's a, a bit quieter and sleepier oh. at those hours normally. So that that's interesting. Absolutely. Here's what happened during the all night tour that was unexpected. And that is at around halfway through the tour, I discovered that there was a film crew. I guess people were more recording than anything else. 
Long story short, it was NPR, all things considered. Oh my gosh, you didn't know that they were going to be there? I had no idea. I mean, they introduced themselves uh, at some point and the tour already began and they were just professional and wonderful. And as much as I loved listening to NPR for all things considered and morning edition and so on. So they recorded me and the clip they played was myself. And I don't even know if they identified by name. They said Dosen, Guide, whatever. Right. The clip was me standing in front of a painting that I think was certainly adult or racy. <laughs> it may have been, you know, a nude. It may have been Warhol that was shown by Alice Neal. Alice Neal's painting of Warhol about a year and a half after he was shot. But the clip they played and then the comment they made, and it's still online, everybody can Google it, look it up, was like, yes, the Whitney is a wonderful museum and so terrific. And here is this docent at one o'clock in the morning describing something that seems a little more adult, we would say, for the hours. And it's, <laughs> it's not anything different than what me and my fellow wonderful docents would do. We would always discuss the works on view in any of the exhibit or the collection. But that was really fun. You're already a bit of a minor celebrity here. You have a lot oh. going on, but you've already been featured on a much bigger and nationally renowned show. But this this is perfect. It, it, it was it was just a slice of New York and a slice of fun, or I'll say more so Whitney Joy at one in the morning. I love you being at the Whitney for the all night event for every New Yorker to come for it being free that you became a minor celebrity out of that. If Warhol said it correctly with his MTV show in the early 80s, you know, so-called, I paraphrase, 15 minutes of fame. I think I had my 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> 15 seconds. That's it. Even if it was just your 15 seconds of fame, I think you deserve that. I just think that is truly so fun. I think it's yeah. fun that everyone can have. And I think that is a wonderful story. Outside of all yeah. of your great stories, I'm sure you have a million of them. You, uh, you sir, are iconic. Like I said, uh, I, I, I'm sticking with it. Okay, so considering the whole, I mean, when I say varied, I mean varied background of your life in New York City, considering all the fun you've had, all of the amazing institutions you worked at, and all of those things, and knowing that you love New York City so much, I can tell it's in I your do. heart. What is yeah. your favorite thing about New York? Art and New York City Ballet. So let me speak about, I know I mentioned two things, but New York City Ballet, uh, I'd love to- You can mention two things. It's okay. We, we love so many <laughs> things about the city. So I'll give you two. They're sort of interconnected. They have a bit of like, it seems like in general, it's the arts and the New York City Ballet, which play, in, play into the arts. But I would love to know so much about your love for New York City Ballet, because once again, here we are. Renaissance man knows a little bit oh, about thank everything. You. <laughs> loves a bit about what, uh, what is it that you love so much about the New York City Ballet? It is one of the most, if not to me, it's the most creative, extensive repertoire of dance in the United States, if not the world. Yes. And much of that, of course, as many of our guests listening and, and you, Rachel, would know, to have George Baumstein and Lincoln Kirstein start this company in 1933 or 1934, and here we are in 2022 with a very difficult two years for all dancers, all performers, Broadway as well. But the extensive repertoire of this company is amazing. So 
yes, I am a supporter of the company for decades. I'm a patron of the company. I would give my last dime and whatever to my daughters, but do I love New York City Ballet as well? Yes, I do. And what makes it so special is that, and this I will give kudos to my younger of my two daughters, it's when she was taking lessons and doing dance with a small school. That really gave me, I guess, the motivation to look more into ballet and modern dance as a matter of city ballet or go into the Joyce Theater. But the city ballet, I've had the joy of connecting with uh, those working in the offices of the company, just speaking with them, but the dancers too. So I'd love to give an example of that. I've done tours at the Whitney, tying art, the Whitney, of course, and City Ballet. But there was one occasion that the school, Ellen, my manager, my director, she asked me, would I like to, in fact, give them a educational tour? She gave half the tour. I gave half the tour. That was fun. But what was also fun is that I have offered to performers, you know, on my own time when they would like to come to the Whitney to see exhibits. And I've done that before. There was something during the pandemic that I don't think anybody knows, and I'm proud to say this, and that is this. The core members, two of the dancers messaged me, not that we're close friends or anything. They, they know me through the Whitney, and they said, we're trying to help the dancers who are not working. And at the time, they weren't earning any money. We're doing an auction. We're we're auctioning off all kinds of things having to do with New York City Ballet. But they asked me with the auction, would I be interested in doing a digital tour to raise funds just for the core members? Wow. This is like your your two favorite worlds coming together. Yeah. Wow. You must have felt so honored. Wow. Yeah, I I was. So I said, yes. And I said, I'm happy to do this. And it was just whoever wanted to, you know, bid on the auction. It was a real auction on this online. I I was not the only one. They were auctioning off probably ballet slippers. They were auctioning off maybe a, a dancer would have a individual tour or chat once the pandemic, you know, was easing up. Turns out the dancers that were arranging this said, would I be interested in uh, auctioning off three tours all on my own time and from at home on Zoom? And I said, sure. Wow. So uh, long story short, the three uh, auctions that they offered raised money for them. I don't know how much. I didn't ask. I don't really want to know. Oh, it doesn't um, matter. All It doesn't matter how much it was monetarily. Like doesn't matter. You helped with something you love, and that's what's most yep. important. Yep. Wow. But it was a good thing to do for dancers that live in New York City work for the New York City Ballet and couldn't perform. The theater was closed and they were not earning an income yet at that point. Yeah. And it was just a joy. And to have the Zoom tour for the winners, so to speak, of the auction. (laughs) And this speaks to the greatness of both my passion. Art and New York City Ballet. Yeah. I love I love it so much. You're so inspirational. I hope that people <laughs> hear. No, really, I hope people hear this and I hope they think I'm going to go see an opera this week. Well, I think the Met is, is closing down their season. But they just I'm gonna, stopped Saturday. Yes. And I miss it. But uh, Rigoletto was great. I just hope that people hear this and they are inspired by you and think, you know, maybe next year I'll go see an opera. Or maybe next year I'll go to the ballet or I'll sit in the park and listen to the Philharmonic or I'll go to the Whitney at two in the morning 
morning. I hope that people hear this interview and are inspired by you and, and want to branch out and try all sorts of things. I just think it's, it's so great. And you've lived so many lives and you have such a history background in New York city. I love it so much. I am so lucky to have had you as a guest and I know that you have lived here for so long. So I can say this and I mean it to be true. And we know it from the bottom of our heart. Thanks, New York. They had fun. Thank you. 